This is Episode 8, Season 1 of Strength Agenda Radio. I'm the tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. The sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, yeah. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. Hey guys and gals, wanted to give you a little bit of an update on this week's episodes. We're doing something a little bit differently. Um, We originally had both owners of Hate Brand Goods, um, Matt Vincent and Mike Beach, to be interviewed to talk about them growing the business, some do's and don'ts, and how to help anybody else that was interested in growing their business. But there was so much good information that was coming between the two of them that we separated it into two episodes. So this week we have part one featuring Mike Beach talking about what he does for Hate Brand Goods and his other company that he has started, Throws Bros, and how he's grown that to what it is. And then next week we'll have the second part featuring Matt Vincent. So sit back, enjoy today's part one with Mike Beach, and then sorry, but you're going to have to hold tight for next week's episode featuring Matt Vincent. For those of you who don't know, I'm a part-time PE teacher. Uh, When I came back to Illinois, it wasn't in the cards. That wasn't what I had planned on doing. But the school I used to teach at asked me if I was interested in a part-time position and it kind of fit my schedule in the middle of the day. So I gladly took that position. I like teaching. I like working with kids. I like teaching them about fitness in general. The first time I was at this school from 2010 to 2012, we completely overhauled the curriculum and emphasized a more fitness-based curriculum because I felt like that's what the kids needed more than just playing games and sports repeatedly. You know, fast forward to now, the last two years, we do at the beginning of the year, we have to create an assessment for them. So most of you have done either the presidential or the fitness gram assessment. And at our school, we do the presidential uh, assessment because the fitness gram, we just don't have the equipment, space, or time to conduct that test. So you know, one of the aspects uh, or two of the aspects of the, the, the presidential is a sit-up and a push-up test. Um, uh, you can be done a couple different ways, but the one way you do is you give the students a minute and you give them the standards on a proper push-up and a proper sit-up, and they have to perform the movement to the standard, and you let them know if they have, you know, fit, consecutively fail two reps in a row, you have to stop them and their test is done and you record their number. We then test at the end of the year and the hope is that they have improved in that time and their scores show that. Uh, But between last year's results and the start of the test this year, I wanted to start reaching out to a couple of my other colleagues that are in the, the physical education field and kind of compare results. And for for those two aspects in particular, and what I found was extremely unacceptable. When it came to things like the mile and the shuttle run, students were right on par with the national average. Most of the time they were exceeding those averages. But when it came to things like push-ups and sit-ups, and even the sit and reach, which is where you're testing flexibility, the students were well below average. And I just don't understand In, in the this day and age with all the things we have available, all the resources that these kids are able to get their hands on for sport development, why these are so. We have kids that are playing sports 
year round, baseball in particular, there's fall ball, there's winter ball. And if you don't have access to a winter facility, you're either doing hitting, pitching, or some sort of speed and agility lessons until the spring comes when your actual season takes place. And once your, your spring season is over, you have summer ball. It's the same for almost all the other sports. You throw in volleyball, lacrosse, hockey, whatever. These kids are playing sports year round. With the increase of these kids playing sports and the competition to make these traveling squads you know, even higher, that creates a demand for sports performance training. So now more than ever, kids have easy access to sports performance facilities. Um, myself, we run one at our gym. Uh, Mike Zella does a fantastic job of running it. But the one thing that I just don't understand, I feel like we need to have a call to arms here from all strength coaches, is we need to do a better job of educating and, and, and teaching these kids how to use their bodies. Please do us a favor. Put the agility ladders away. Put the computers away. Put the fancy gadgets and the balance boards and all that stuff. Put it away. Teach the athletes how to properly use their bodies. You're going to do them a lot more good than showing a fancy video like you would see in a Nike ad. These kids aren't Nike athletes. These kids aren't elite athletes yet. They are performing at a higher level than kids ever were at younger ages. Uh, concussions, ACL injuries, Tommy John surgeries are at an all-time high with kids under the age of 18. I don't understand how this has been you know, seen as an acceptable practice. As strength coaches, these parents entrust their kids to us and they want us to teach them how to be better athletes, how to move better, how to be more competitive on the field. And I don't feel like we are fully doing that. All we are worried about is the end result. And we're not worried about building a base. We're not worried about laying a foundation down for these kids. Any child that is in the grades of 6th, 7th, or 8th grade should be able to perform a proper sit-up and a proper push-up for multiple reps. And, and the fact that some of these kids don't understand the basic anatomy. When I tell a child, keep your hips off the floor, they don't understand what that means. They don't understand how to engage their core, how to keep their back tight. Again, I'm in a very fortunate situation because I have a coach at my facility that emphasizes these basics and breaks them down. And the child is not allowed to move on to more advanced stuff until they can master the basics. I know he's not the only one that does this. I'm not that naive. But I feel like as a whole, as a community, as a group, we need to do a better job. We need to get these kids ready to go. So please stop watching the, 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 the ads you see on TV, all the sporting goods commercials and the, the equipment specialty shows and all that stuff. Pair it back a little bit. You don't need an agility ladder. Teach the kid the basics. Teach them how to properly move. Teach them how to properly squat. Teach them pressure in their feet. Teach them the athletic position. That in and of itself is something that floors me when you ask a kid to go into an athletic position and they don't understand. Those of us who were back in the day that didn't have a ton of uh, sports performance facilities and coaches to work with, we all know what that basic athletic position is. A lot of kids don't understand that. They're so specialized these days that there is no broad you know, spectrum of ability and skills that they've mastered before they went to the specialization. Everybody's looking for the next Tom Brady or the next, you know, uh, Landon Donovan that they get their kid involved in the sport starting at three, four, five years old, and that is all they do for the rest of their life. By the time these kids get to high school, they're gonna be burnt out. They're not gonna want to do the sport anymore, and they're gonna be injured. We had a kid a couple years ago that came to us, and he was 16 years old. By the time he came to us, 
there was nothing we could do for his shoulder. He repeatedly played sport year like year round. He had a pitching coach that he saw two times a week. He also played fall ball, spring ball, summer ball. He added access to a, a winter facility where he played mock games, and he played on his regular high school team. The child was 17 years old, and he was a candidate for Tommy John surgery because he destroyed his elbow, and he is no longer performing in sports. We don't want that. We don't want these kids burning out too soon. They're supposed to be enjoying their youth. They're supposed to be enjoying these club teams, playing with their friends, getting to see different parts of the country that they may not get to see otherwise. They're not professionals yet. Please stop treating them like so until they're at that level. As a strength coach, please do these kids a favor. Do right by the kid and not to inflate your ego or to increase your membership. Teach them how to move properly, teach them the basics, and let them progress from there. That is all I ask of you. That's all I have to say about that. Before we get into today's episode, we want to take a minute and uh, have some words from our sponsor, Hand Armor Chalk. If you're like me, then you take pride in providing your gym and your athletes with the best of the best. Whether it be equipment, programs, products, or experiences, quality is of the utmost importance. Why wouldn't the chalk you use day in and day out for your workouts be any different? For the members at the Strength Agenda, there's only one chalk that I want aiding my athletes in their training, and that's Hand Armor Chalk. Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting, comes in both an antimicrobial liquid form or the traditional block form, and both options are under $10. Whether it's throwing or lifting, I really love this stuff, and I recommend you give it a try. Make sure you use the code AGENDA at checkout and get an additional 10% off your order. Go to www.handarmorchalk.com and get yours now. What is going on, boys and girls? Today on Strength Agenda Radio, I am joined by the first half of Hate Brand Goods and Throw with Bros, Mike Beach. He is a Highland Games competitor. He is a dad. He is a husband. He is a doer of all things. He also has a um, recent interest in archery, which I am quite fond of as well. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it, man. So real quick, how long, have you always done the archery stuff? Because I just saw that recently, and that, uh, that, that piqued my interest when I saw you posting about bows and arrows and stuff along those lines. No, actually, uh, it's very, very recent. Uh, I've had, I've, I've wanted to do it forever, man. Yeah. Um, so going way back to like a million years ago when I was in college, I had a plan that I would, you know, along with my normal class load, I would take like one of the, the universe, I went to university of Texas. I would take one of those, the physical education courses or like, you know, the, the, how they teach, they'll do like, you do a semester worth of like a certain sport or something like that. And I just had this idea that I would do everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll try one new thing. And like the plan was I signed up for fencing first and then like the next semester I was going to do archery and then I was going to do judo or whatever. I did fencing first and I absolutely fell in love with it. I ended up competing in that all through college and afterwards. I remember you saying something about that. Yeah. So like that just kind of like took the focus for a while and I never really got around to the archery thing, but it always fascinated me. Like the, the, like the art of the craftsmanship, the athleticism always interested me. And finally this year I just got to it. I decided like I've been wanting to kind of up my hunting game. I'd only, you know, done dove hunting for a couple of times. I'm like, I really wanted to get more into that. So I decided like, Hey, let's, 
combine those two things that I'm, you know, getting into. Finally, just took the took the plunge, um, bought a bow. I actually got help from uh, Kyle Stowey, who works at Donuts and Deadlifts now. Um, he's 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 a rad dude, man. He does. Uh, he's he, he's a coach. He's a lifter. And he's uh, he's also an archer. So he helped me get set up with this stuff. And I think I just started shooting. And gosh. Uh, june maybe late june july and it's mostly been just you know learning the process learning the craft of it just like anything else man yeah it's a it's been very cool and uh, like I've, I've talked to some other people that it's I, i'm learning a new a brand new skill you know and i'm in mm-hmm. my late i'm in my late 30s now and yeah. it's amazing the benefit of experience having played learned and i don't want to say mastered but gotten okay at other sports and what that brings to you when you're you know doing something like archery it's a completely different skill set that i have to learn but i realize when you know i've reached that point you'll you'll recognize this as an athlete is that i've gotten good enough to start sucking yeah like I, you know i've learned enough to get past like the new the newbie like oh wow i can do this yeah and then i start trying to change things and it gets bad as i start trying to modify technique and like try to you know broaden and uh, but i realize from all those other experiences in sports that what you can do is the same thing you do in every other sport. Okay, go back to, down to the very bottom of the pyramid, and what are the fundamental anchor things that you have to do? And that's 99% of the time the fix. Instead of like adding 10 different new techniques or a piece of equipment or something like that, just go back to those three or four things that you learned right at the beginning, and every time, that's what it is. So, it, yeah. yeah, and that's been super fun to figure out, man. I'm looking for uh, archery season opens up pretty soon. Um, nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I'm feeling confident enough to get out there with a bow and actually be able to take an animal humanely, which is kind of the, it's the key. That's the key for me. I don't want to go sticking arrows and stuff and, you know, wounding them because <laughs> I want to feel cool about myself. The, the point is to har- the point, point is to harvest meat and the point is to challenge myself. So that, that's, I feel like I'm getting close to ready. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the big thing that it interested me with was because when growing up, like we played sports as kids, my parents were always signing us up for sports, but my mom, um, I remember she just like told my dad, she goes, they got to try something else that does not involve like physical contact, like beating on people. Cause we, yeah. did res- we did wrestling. Um, we did football. I played basketball, but I was that kid that always fouled out because I didn't understand. You can't touch the kid when they're trying right. to shoot the basket. <laughs> Doesn't make any um, sense. And yeah. Right. And then, um, and so my mom signed us up for archery. Um, at our at our local park district and my brother and I absolutely loved it we did it for like two or three years and my little brother was way better at it than I was he was one of those guys that could like figure out like the angles from like long distances and it wasn't like right. a compound hunting bow it was just like the single string like a recurve um, yeah and he could just figure out from like long distances how to get it to the target and I'd be shooting it like straight into the ground and stuff like that but <laughs> from like shorter distances I was way better than he was but it was just I saw you posting it and it brought back all the feels of being a kid at nice. the archery class. Cause it was like a bunch of old people. Like literally these guys were in like their fifties, forties, you know, sixties, stuff like that. And then it was me and my brother, like that we were like 12 and 10 standing next to them, like shooting in the line and stuff like <laughs> that. So it was just really cool to see the, the archery stuff like that. Maybe at some point, uh, I might get back to it and try going to find it, finding a club or something. There's a club right here by the school I teach at. So I might one day wander in there and see about doing classes or something like that. Oh but, dude, it's a blast, man. It's, it's just total Zen. Like that's, yeah. I don't, I don't talk about Zen a whole lot because you know, my life with, you know, crazy household and businesses and three kids, it's not like uh you know, not often Zen like, but it's just right. when I'm shooting, I'm shooting. That's yeah. it. 
Like, yep. you know, even when, I, when I'm throwing, when I'm practicing throwing, there a lot of other thoughts intrude because, you know, there's competition, there's schedules, there's, yep. you know, all these yep. sort of different things. But, like, archery is just archery, man. It, it's nice. It, it's an escape. I mean, that when I was at MDUSA, that's how I felt about riding my motorcycle um, because you can't have, I don't have, a, I didn't have a stereo on it. So it was just mindless, just going from point A to point B. And now that's going to the driving range. I'll just go to the driving range and just oh, hit a nice. couple of golf ball. But I'm getting to the point where you are, where I'm like, I'll go to take a swing and I'm like, that wasn't right. Yes. I, I did I did something wrong. And so it, I, we get to that point. So I don't know how much longer that will last because I'm one of those, like, if it doesn't start getting better, I'm like, nope, I'm like not going to frustrate myself with this. <laughs> maybe, I'll just start going to a, maybe I'll start going to a batting cage or something. But... So let's talk about the point in hand here today. You are the owner of Hate Brand Goods, and as I was mentioning earlier to you, I finally put two and two together that you are also the co-owner of Throw Bros. Yes. Um, let's just talk a little bit about your background, athletic-wise, and how it got you to this point where you are now um, running not one, but two successful uh, 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 personal businesses. All right. Well, um, yeah, in terms of my background, um, so... I was a baseball player in high school. I was just, you know, I was another kid that played a lot of sports growing up, plain and simple. Yeah, um, yeah I, I topped out in high school. I was, a, I was a pitcher in high school. Just didn't have what it took, you know, that talent word to get uh, past that level. And uh, so as, you know, I went to college, I kind of had the choice to where I could go to junior college and play baseball or I could go to the University of Texas and go to school. I just, I went to school. I think that mm -hmm. was, and I never regretted that decision because I would have, I would have been, I, I could have had a booming career as a mediocre junior college player. That, that would have been the, the, yeah. the, the top out for me. So, uh, yeah, and then during college, like I said, I, uh, I discovered fencing. Um, I went on to compete uh, collegiately in fencing. I uh, won a state championship doing that. And then I kind of chased the Olympic dream for about 10 years after that. Um, you know, did, did all right, but the problem was by the time that I was pushing 30 or the, around the time I was turning 30, the kids that were beating me were 14 years old. And, you know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I realized that, you know, this the, the sport was pushing for younger athletes. Uh, it was harder to get to the places I needed to be. And plus, I, you know, I had, a, I had a son by that time. And I just felt like, you know, this is... I've given I've given it a good go. I've given it the time, and I, I enjoy teaching and coaching. So I'm gonna move on to that. You know, not an uncommon story. Um, after that, I sort of um, I went into another um, you know, like I talked about, I went into another try everything mode. But this time it was involved with strength. Um, I had always you know I'd been in the weight room, uh, but it wasn't because of the sports that I played. It wasn't like a a pre, you know, it wasn't the first priority. It wasn't the top yeah. priority. It was, you know, but, but it was, it was like training for athletes. It was the same thing as like, I wasn't training to lift more weight. I was training to supplement what I was doing on the field or what I was doing on the fencing floor. So, mm -hmm. uh, I really gave it a focus. It became more of a hobby. Of course it started like everybody else. Like, ah, you know, I want to get bigger. I want to put on some muscle. I want to look better and like that. But that very quickly devolved into wanting to compete and seem like do. So I tried out powerlifting. I uh, was terrible at that. Apparently you have to be you have to be strong to be a power lifter, and I, I I think that's wrong. I think that's very discriminatory. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, power, man. Yeah, it is right. So I tried that. Uh, I did a couple of strongman shows at middleweight and lightweight. Um, I did a little better at those because I could move my feet. Yeah. Um, I could actually you know lean on athleticism a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and then just randomly tried Highland Games at the Austin Highland Games here because uh, we're you know I, I live in Round Rock, Texas, which is outside of Austin. So I, yeah, it was in 2011, I think it was. Um, so I tried the Austin Highland Games. Immediately fell in love, and I didn't immediately suck. And that's always kind of a you know good bellwether right oh, there. Absolutely. Like, is this something you're going to enjoy? I didn't suck immediately uh, as a newbie, and uh, I felt like there was um, you know a possibility to grow. And I liked the community a lot. Yeah. And so, along with Highland, around the time that I was just getting into Highland Games, um, Matt uh, Matt Benson and his brother Andy were getting ready to go to the pro level. They've been throwing for a couple of years, and they're you know Matt's supremely talented thrower, and it was no question that he was going places. So, um, I had been in touch with them from a previous website that I had run. It was a little uh, website startup. It was called Now You Try, where I did online uh, fitness competitions. Yeah. Where I would just post something every month, and people if from anywhere could compete, and then I'd send out prizes from sponsors and stuff like that. It was a fun little experiment. But Matt and Andy got wind of that and started competing, and they just run roughshod over everybody. I mean, they like every time they competed, they were winning. So I was in contact with them from that, and uh, just as we all got into Highland Games, we kind of stayed connected and. Uh, at a certain point, Matt and I were talking, and he made me a, because he knew I was getting into the games, he made me a guinea pig for Training Lab, his first book. Um, so, And I'm actually one of the people that gives a testimonial in that book um, about what it yeah, did. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and that was the, you know, that was basically what Training Lab did, was it took me from a brand new thrower to doing one off-season worth of Training Lab, and it took me straight to the A's. Uh, straight to amateur race. Like, I, I came back, they threw me in the Bs for my first game because I hadn't competed at the A level, and I, I just, I destroyed the B class, and it was just one of those, like, you can't do, you can't do any more B class games, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was, I mean, that was the real deal, man. That, you know, all that, um, like the testimonial stuff and work with Matt being a guinea pig, that was a real deal. That worked for me. Training Lab really did work at that level. That, I mean, it was, it's built for a Highland Games athlete. It's fantastic. And uh, I, I, remember, I remember talking to Matt when he was in the middle of writing it because he was telling me about his conversation with Jim Wendler and how Wendler pretty much told him, like, if you don't write a book, I'm going to find somebody to do it so I can make money off it, essentially. He goes, because he, he, he pretty much said, like, it was stupid that with as big as, because you mentioned the community in the Highland Games. For people who don't know, the Highland Games community is probably, in my opinion, the best community in the strength world. For sure. Because um, it doesn't matter the skill level. Like, I mean, for instance, I was at uh, Amateur, you know, Worlds this last weekend, or Am Champs, whatever the heck you want to call it. There's <laughs> like five different... ha- hashtag Am Champs, yeah. Yeah, there's like five different names for it now that I've been hearing about War- Amateur Invitational, whatever. But you had some of the best throwers in the amateur ranks, um, you know, not including me, that were <laughs> out there, and every- there was nobody out there that was like, I hate you, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to crush you kind of a thing. Like, for instance, Skylar Armisen is crushing people in the heavy hammer yeah. like, and by crushing like i think he threw like 110 in the heavy hammer Jesus. 108 something ridiculous like that and he's out there coaching people who are you know throwing not not like even the guy uh, garrett blacknick through 101 ended up taking third like he literally was coaching him after each throw helping him out and he improved 15 feet <laughs> from his first throw to his last throw that's insane but like but i mean just like that that's commonplace in the games and that's why i came back to it because um, weightlifting is super competitive. It is nothing but mean mugging from the time you get to the competition yep. venue to the time you are done competing, and it's ridiculous. Um, strongman, I feel like, is the same way. Powerlifting, powerlifting. I was getting mean mugged coaching somebody else at a meet, and I hadn't. I wasn't even competing. I wasn't signed up to compete or anything like that. These just guys saw another big dude that looked like he lifted, 
and we're just like constantly mean mugging. And it took me to go up to a couple of them being like, I'm not lifting, like calm down (laughs) for them to like relax. And like, there's just none of that in the Highland game. So no, we're, we're all washed up athletes, man. That's most exactly like we've been, we've been through the sporting thing. This isn't our first rodeo. Yeah. Um, Now, you know, I will say, I think there's a new generation of power lifters, I think coming through now that I think has got a better perspective about it. But some of those old guard guys, like the time that I was into it for sure. But yeah, the Highland games is just, like it's a bunch of washed up. It's a bunch of washed up athletes. It's yeah. a bunch of people that have been been through the ringer, and that we understand that the stakes are not high. But like, but but uh, my my point was, or the point that Wendler was trying to make was just because of that community, because of that tight knit, like we want to support everybody and anybody type of deal. He was pretty much like making fun of it, and the fact that nobody had taken advantage of that mentality yeah. and put out a resource that would be helpful like that would actually be helpful and people would just eat up right and 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 he did it i mean that yeah i mean i have the first two i believe um i i remember i bought the 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 training lab right when it came out and then i bought throwing lab right when it came out and they're phenomenal resources if anybody is any interest even if you're not a highland games guy just a general strength and conditioning like template and like a general throwing like if you're a track guy there's stuff in throwing lab that carries over and would be helpful because Matt was an old, you know, he threw college uh, shot put and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was just, it was amazing to me that nobody had done that before Matt came along. And now everybody is putting out a training manual for the Highland Games, but it's a little too late at this point because Matt pretty much, you know, got a stranglehold on that part of that market. Yeah. And it's, it's look, man, it's, it's block periodization. It involves off, yep. se- off season volume and then you alternate strength and power and then you have a peak season. It's not, he didn't reinvent the, he didn't like, you know, no. it didn't reinvent the wheel. He just kind of, he made it fit for a Highland Games athlete. And, and that's what he put me on. And that's, that was yep. my introduction to that style of training for, um, you know, for strength sports in general. And I mean, it just, I skyrocketed. Uh, it, it's, it, it really, it, it jumped me off. I think the thing that helped too was the fact that he followed that this, that program. Absolutely. Um, you see a lot of these guys that put these templates out there, and then you look at what they're doing, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like you're not doing like I don't remember seeing that in you know what you wrote or whatever. But like he would put in his thing like this is day whatever of week whatever of this block. Like this is what I'm doing. When he used to post like a lot more uh, lifting and training clips and stuff like that. Right. Um. So it was really cool to see like this guy at the top of the level, which by the way. I beat him in the caver at amateur championships, and I never let him live that down. <laughs> you just wanted to have that on record. I got it, yeah. I, on, on the record. I, I tell everybody about it. That's like my like claim to fame right now in the Highland Games, is that competition, because it was like all good caver tossers. It was Jake Sullivan, Nate Burchett, uh, Isaac might have been there, Matt was there, all these guys, and they all, like, first round of the caver, like, were turning, like, 930s and all sorts of nonsense, and I pulled a 12 on my first one. <laughs> and I thought I was the cock of the walk. That's all but I need, man. I ended up, yeah, right? But I ended up getting crushed and everything else, so it all works out. Anyways, continue on with Hey Brain Goods. So <laughs> you're, you're a guinea pig from the training lab, and from there... Yeah, and so as we're going, as he starts getting that book published, he, he knows that I've worked on websites in the past. At the time, I was a, I was a freelance web designer. That's, that's all I had done. Uh, that's all I was doing. That's all I was doing at the time uh, because we had moved recently. I'd left. I wasn't in my corporate job anymore, and uh, we'd moved, so I was just doing that to make some extra cash. 
And uh, he knew that I could do, uh, you know, stuff with websites. So he asked me to help him, you know, put the book out. And I did. Like, and it wasn't like, I didn't do it as a job. I didn't, you know, ask to be paid. It was just like, yeah, he's a, he's a buddy and I love Highland Games. And I want to help Highland Games. So I put it out. Absolutely. And uh, so we put it out and it started selling, man. It took off. And, uh, you know, I yeah, I'd helped, I'd helped him set up his website so he could blog on there and, like, have content and stuff. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a lark. We were doing it for fun. And then uh, as it started selling... You know, like a little, a little bit of money comes in, nothing crazy, and uh, you know, we we just had like an agreement that like I get a percentage of book sales or whatever, and that was just as a as a favor. I didn't care much about it, like as we went. Yeah. And then, so eventually, he starts getting enough requests and people saying like, "Hey, man, you should do a shirt. You should do a shirt. You should do a shirt." And uh, he'd never really planned to do that. It wasn't really like in the cards or anything like that. He was just happy being an athlete that, you know, had a regular full-time job and, yeah. you know, published some books and that, that's what he wanted. But uh, finally we just did a shirt. So we had, uh, we had a buddy named Dan that, ha- that helped us to uh, do the first design. And that's the Brew Label shirt, which is still available on the site now. Um, I have two of them. There you go. I have the, I, well, I have the tank and the, because I bought the original shirt. Yes, sir. And I, refu- I refuse to wear it because it's got the patch. And I was always nervous about washing it too many times and that patch coming off. Because I thought it was really cool that the Hate Brand Goods patch was on the bottom of yeah. it. So I have the the t-shirt, the original one, and I have the original line of beanies that he did um, where there was only like 200 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he hand-numbered like, hand them. He hand them. That's right. Yeah. And then because I want, I like that design so much, when you guys did the tank, I ended up getting one of the tanks too. So I have the tank that I wear a little more often than the t-shirt. Oh, yeah, man. Especially summertime. Come on. Exactly. You don't have, if you don't have a tank out there, guys, get your life together. That's, that's right. how it has to be done. So, yeah, we ran the shirt, and it, I looked, we sold way more than we expected. We did a short sleeve and a long sleeve, and we sold more than we expected. We were selling around the world, and uh, it kind of grew from there. It's like, okay, let's do a beanie, let's do a hat, let's do this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, by 2014, we're, you know, we're running a real business. And, uh, yeah. you know, we haven't really organized stuff that well, and uh, so we start to get ourselves together. And then by late 2015, you know, we had incorporated, um, you know, we had, you know, systems in place, all this kind of stuff that turned into like a real job. And then we have to start making these decisions about like, you know, uh, we have to make logistical decisions about what we do, you know, financially. We have to figure out what we're going to pay ourselves, um, you know, how we set up, you know, the new companies now coming out, like where we're starting you know, Habit Coffee is a new company that's going to be a standalone, yep. and then we're doing wholesaling work, and like it's just, it's just grew. We're in that exponential growth phase still, and it, yep. it still feels so surreal to think back to like 2014. You know, we were just kind of informally, not really organized as a business, selling stuff online and selling shirts to people, and uh, you know, using this, and we have this crazy model where. You know, we're a company, but we don't exist. Like, we're from the internet, <laughs> like, is what I tell people. Mm-hmm. They say, where are you based? It's like, we're based on the internet, man. Like, yeah. Matt's in Baton Rouge. I'm in Round Rock, Texas. Our warehouse is in Kansas, and we do promotions out of California. Like, it's, it's to me, like, I, I don't want to make it seem like we're so ahead of the curve because there are businesses doing this, but I feel like people that are doing startups, brands-type startups like this are eventually going to be able to look at models like ours and see that this is possible, that you the brick-and-mortar doesn't have to tie you down or the location doesn't have to tie you down anymore, and you don't have to start hiring employees right away to take care of stuff that you need done. Like There are so many vendors and so many small businesses mm-hmm. and so many suppliers available to you now that you can do those things without having to have a big staff of people and you know taking all the risk of a building and employees and all those things right off the bat. Eventually will you get there? Absolutely. But 
just to get started, I think there's something to be said for this model that we've pushed, that we've continued to push. And just, it's almost a virtual business model that we, you can have, you can sell physical goods, but you can do it in a virtual model. Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't say Matt didn't influence you know the start of the strength agenda in that very sense, is it's what well, strength agenda just started out as a website that just put out information. We put out recipes, we put out articles, and then we had people you know reach out about online training and remote coaching and stuff like that, and then it eventually manifested itself into the gym. But it was the same like when Beth and I started working on stuff for the strength agenda, it was the exact same thought that. We can do this from anywhere, and then if we needed something, like if we need, originally, like if we needed to do a training camp, we could reach out to a gym right. and say, hey, can we rent out, you know, space for a couple of days and do a training camp? If we wanted to host a competition, we could pre- present it to a gym, like the seminar thing, like all this stuff. I, th- I think the big difference between starting your own business in, you know, today versus maybe, you know, even 10 years ago, is the abundance, like you said, of resources through the internet. Right. Um, I mean, you got, like, how many times do you see people on Facebook post, hey, looking for X, any suggestions, and you'll read the comments, and, like, I'll, if I see somebody in my area posting something I'm interested in, I'll check the comments and see what people are saying. I mean, just the internet just has such an abundance of resources, and even, like, on a higher end for you guys with your vendors and you know, different suppliers for different materials and products and stuff like that. Like it's, 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 it's insane what you can get accomplished from sitting on your couch with a computer these days. I mean, for crying out loud, people can order cars now. Like you don't have to even go to a car dealership anymore. You can order a car from your computer and have it delivered to your house. Right. It, it, and that's, that's just such a great way, like to wrap your mind around the idea of like how services have changed. And that, that, again, you can actually, you, it's almost like you can, you really can download a car. Like, that's, that's really what yeah. it's become. Uh, and yeah, like, I think there's, again, there's so many people out there like us that are trying to make their way, but don't have, like, you know, they don't have that huge influx of cash to start with. They, do, they didn't inherit a building. They didn't inherit a business. Or they didn't, you know, they, do, they don't have the funds to, you know, they live in a place where the property values are so high that they can't get a brick and mortar. And yeah. the thing is, there's so many people like that, that it's becoming easier to find people in the same circles as you. It's easier now to find manufacturers. Of yeah, absolutely. It's easier to find craftsmen, like our leather goods, the stuff that we do on the site. It's, it's now easier to find entrepreneurs out there that are doing things that go hand in hand, horizontally and vertically with your business. It's easier to find absolutely. people. You know, it used to be that, you know, if you're going to be in the clothing industry, then you have to have an in with these manufacturers and you have to have an in with these designers and these distributors, stuff like that. It's no longer the case anymore because so many of us at the same time are trying to be entrepreneurs that we've created the, your, our own network that's much easier to reach out to. And that's something that Matt and I think have really leveraged and taken advantage of. And yeah, you it, guys really have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, and that kind of, I hope that other people that are looking to build a brand, whether it's based on strength and conditioning, fitness, anything like that, can see that and can realize like there's a very lonely feeling in entrepreneur in the in entrepreneurial ventures a lot of times. It's like I'm trying to do yes. this all myself. And you don't need to be that way. The biggest thing that Matt did for our business and that I came along eventually and started doing too is being able to travel and see people 
and spend yep. time in front of the people that are in your industry and you meet everyone. You find out that yes. everyone's got another skill set besides lifting, another skill set besides CrossFit or throwing. You find out that there's, oh, I'm a systems administrator or, oh, I do enterprise inventory work and all that kind of stuff. You find out, like, I develop apps. You find out so many people outside of that skill set you know them for with a barbell or whatever it may be that they have these amazing skills that you can start you can start using for your business. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's a really good thing. I mean, I know the, the Drifter Lifter series, not only is it entertaining when Matt started doing that, but it was it, it was informational. Like, for instance, I had only seen, you know, Mark Bell, for instance, through all the stuff that he put out. But, you know, when Matt started traveling around and, you know, met Mark Bell, like you saw him in a different light when he met Kelly Starrett. Um, like I had met Kelly Starrett before that, but Matt um, actually went to his facility or in San Francisco and, you know, had, just gave a little bit of a different perspective. And then, you know, there are athletes that you had never heard of otherwise, personally, I mean, me personally, that, you know, you, you started to see and then you see all these other little things that they do. And, and you just saw how he was able to take, you know, little pieces of that and assimilate that into, hey, and then you as well with your YouTube channel, like the different people, like uh, a lot of the stuff that you do with um, Nick Oh God! What's his last Nick name? Bear. The Bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, all the episodes you've been doing with him, and seeing all the different things he's been able to do, and that, and that you've been able to take and incorporate into your businesses and all that stuff. Like it's just been really cool to see, and I think that's a huge thing that people don't understand. Like that's one thing. Now I'm getting to the point that my wife and I are trying to do is when we travel, we're trying to see who's in the area, who can we meet up with and talk to and exchange ideas and see what they're doing, and that we can maybe try to take something or you know, a bigger piece of it and, 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 and use it into what we're trying to uh, do with our business and, and our different um, projects and stuff that we have going on. Um, what, let's just go with, you know, just some easy things here. Like as you were building the brand, what was easy for you guys? What was easy for you in particular, um, given your particular skill set? Like what came naturally for you? What really wasn't that hard and that you were able to like kind of, uh, um, level up so to speak in terms of what you already had versus what you can you know accomplish now with your skill set yeah uh i think in from my side of the from my side of things i think creating accessibility for uh customers people that wanted to buy came very naturally yeah um also that's related to another part is that we were because we both were in our 30s when we started this that we had, I, I talk a lot about maturity and the difference between beginning your 20s and 30s. I think most people understand the difference there. But the biggest thing that came naturally for us and that we've always been agreement on, um, for the most part, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to have small differences of philosophy about money. But generally, we like to pay people for good works or good products. Um, that being willing to pay to get something, if that's going to help you get you know, more revenue, we're willing to do it. We don't penny pinch. And when you're running a business, I can't, you have to be selective about the times that you penny pinch. Yeah. Um, what the way that the best way to look at that is, and again, you're talking about what comes naturally to us is for us understanding that we both worked in the real world. We both worked in sales. We both worked, um, you know, in corporate type situations. And we realize if it's customer facing mm -hmm. or if it's something that will generate revenue, don't spare any expense. Make, get something that's going to work. Get things that are going to work. Pay for talent. Pay for access. Pay for things that are going to work clearly and that are going to not cause you to lose time. Um, that is a great point. Yeah, if it's customer-facing, just go ahead and spend. Now, if it's for you, 
if it's something that's uh, to compensate you or to you know make things a little easier for just your side of the process, go ahead and be a little more judicious. Go ahead and you know figure out like how can I cut money here because those are cost centers. Those are not revenue centers. So and I don't I'm not going to get super technical in business, but you know in general in general in business you're going to have things that are revenue centers. You're going to have cost centers. Um, revenue centers generally are is your sales force or the people that are producing for you. Those are um, you know, those are things that are creating revenue, they're creating product, they're creating customers. Um, cost centers are things like human resources departments in a big company, um, or you know things that don't generate revenue but they are important but they do cost. Um, that's just a, that's a very broad example. But when your cost yeah. and your cost centers, especially as an entrepreneur, it's good to be a little like I said judicious. But when it comes time to make the things that make money. You have to be able to spend. And that's what that's related to is creating access. Like we we started small in a basically an e-commerce site that I built. You know, I, I more or less just took a WordPress and I mutated it into some a WordPress blog and mutated it into something that worked. But eventually we realized like, hey, this is becoming tougher to access, it's causing more issues, it's slowing down sales. So now we pay to to get on the Shopify platform, which is the industry standard for online sales. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you just, you, you jump, you make those jumps, you make those decisions quickly. And then when it comes to quality and things like that, again, Matt and I never had, you know, a second thought about whether we wanted to get, do you want to get a better quality blank or shirt, or do you want to, you know, build a better quality training short, or would you rather cut some corners? We don't want to cut corners on this. Absolutely. Because we basically, you know, the thing, things, again, Something that came naturally to me and Matt, and uh, this is truly, this sprung up naturally. This wasn't like we sit and had a, a meeting about coming up with a vision and coming up with, you know, how exactly, what our philosophy is. It just developed naturally is that we have, we only have two values. If you want to say we have company values, we only have two values. Make stuff that we would like to have and tell people the truth. That's it. Those are the only two guiding values that have ever come up. There's no other like mission statement. There's no division, anything like that. Make stuff that we think is cool and tell people the truth. Yeah. And that's that's gotten us as far as as far as we've come. And I think it's going to take us a lot farther in the future. So th that philosophy is the thing for me that came very naturally. Yeah. Is the idea that spend for talent and spend for good things, and just be straightforward and honest. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I think more companies uh, in the world today would be a lot better off if they followed just simply those two things. I mean, that was, you know, in the gym business, the one thing I'm always telling people is it, it, the gym business, yes, there's a lot of little like ins and outs and things that are, aren't that glamorous, but when you like just peel it down to like its skeleton, like there's, it, it, it running a gym, like there's just two, you know, two or three things that I'm always pushing. And the one is like you just said, like push what you actually believe in. Don't try to make people do stuff or, or, or buy things just because it's the industry standard. Like, if yes. you don't believe in it, don't do it. Um, give a damn about the people, every single person that walks through the door. Um, I try my best with, you know, it's get, it gets hard when you have a lot of people in, in the gym at once. But I try my best when I see people walk in, whether they're there for me or not, to say, hey, how's it going? Hey, so-and-so, hi. Just giving them a hi. And then when they leave, you know, saying, hey, great job today take care, have a good weekend, whatever. Um, just like give a damn about the people that you are servicing. And it's the same thing with you guys. Like you're being honest with people, right? You're not trying to pull the wool over their eyes. You're trying to just let them know, you know, that you hear them, but that this is how you're going to either help their situation or if you can't help it, you let them know. I cannot, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, 
but I, I really feel like it, it sounds silly. Like you, what you said, it's just so basic, but if more companies followed along those guidelines, they'd be so much better off. But unfortunately that's not um, the case, but um, I'm not going to go over the negatives yet because I want to do a big old one for everything, but let's talk about throw bros a little bit, because like I had said, um, I had seen the company growing, especially over this last year, didn't put two and two together that you were affiliated with it until you posted something about the tacky. And then I like, was like, Oh, I said, is he affiliated with that too? And then I looked on your Instagram uh, profile and it had it on there and I was just like, holy cow. I said, how did I not see that? But so in an industry where people always said, there's not a lot of money in the Highland games, you have not one, but two successful businesses that are, you know, flourishing, thriving, growing in that, in, or that have roots in that industry. Um, talk about throw bros a little bit and how that's a different than, you know, what you're doing with hate brand goods. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Matt and I, obviously, like I said, we both came from the Highland Games. That was kind of the genesis of what we did. And uh, Matt's core philosophy, um, which, as a side note, I, I've from the beginning, before there was hate brand goods, before there was anything like that, you know, Matt and I talked about the philosophy of the hate, which to me, briefly said, is that you're taking negative emotions, negative experiences, and turning those into positive results. Yep. But that's something that I along with him that I, once I heard him talk about that and put it into words, I think a lot of people have the same experience. Like, yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah. Like, so, you know, that's a philosophy that I have, you know, after hearing from Matt and that I have complete, that I completely adopted well before there was a company. But that philosophy expressed itself through, athletically at least, in the Highland Games for both of us. And mm -hmm. that's that was our community. You know, that's where we kind of started. And I think that's still to this day, I think that's our core um, group of supporters. That's the that's the core people that support hate brand goods the most. And uh, but the idea of hate brand goods was to create apparel. It was to create apparel and goods. Um, you know, like you know, the, you know, the coffee mugs and the, yeah. the lifting shaps stuff like that to support that community, but the community of strength more broadly as well. Um, as it developed, you know, we had conversations early on. Uh, Matt and I did about like you know, should we look at doing supplies? for Highland Games, or should we look at, you know, should that be the crux of the company? But as we looked more and more, our passions and what we were into kind of fell more and more on the apparel industry and what we wanted to, you know, how we wanted to do that. And as we grew and developed, it just, it, now if, if Matt and I came out now and we said like, hey, we, you know, we made some tacky, it would not make any sense. No. It just wouldn't. And it, to me, it would feel disingenuous and feel like a, like a grab. It would feel like, you know, Hey Brand Goods is trying to pander or whatever. And it's just not where our passion is. It's not what we're interested in doing supplies. There's people that already do it better. And that's another big thing that we talk about in that business. Like we, if somebody's doing something as well as it can be done, I don't want to just try to get a piece of the action. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's already being done. And I think that's where Hey Brand Goods kind of falls with the supply stuff. Mm -hmm. So as I continue to throw in the games and Hey Brand Goods grew, um, my, my friend Aaron, his name's Aaron George, he's my business partner. We've been friends for over 20 years. We've been friends since high school. And uh, he, he came into the games. I introduced him to the Highland Games. And he immediately, like within two years, was like better than me. So thanks a lot for that, Aaron. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make sure he listens to this and make sure that he, he knows that he crushed my dreams. Yeah, I wanted to know that. Jerk. But <laughs> uh, it's okay. I just went lightweight so I could dodge him from there. there that, was, that was the plan. But yeah, so, you know, we continue. He and I talk every day. Um, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about throwing in Highland Games. And uh, it was kind of, you know, that the thing that we realized is that there was still that hole that, you know, there wasn't like a one-stop shop 
for Highland Games athletes. Um, they had, because of their connection to Matt and because of Matt's connection to them, they had this association with a brand that could represent their lifestyle, that could give them a look and all that sort of stuff. It was just the stuff that's important to hate brand goods. But there was still that kind of hole of like, you know, if you, the way that I looked at it was this. My, the genesis for Throw Bros was my idea that as an athlete throwing in the Highland Games, all the stuff on my body, for the most part, you know, the, the wraps, my knee sleeves, the equipment, the chalk, everything I'm using, is made for something else. Mm -hmm. It's not made for me. I'm co-opting things from other sports to use on the field to do this. You know, I'm using blocks of chalk because I get them from the, you know, I get them from the, I get them from the sporting goods store, and they're really meant to go in like a chalk bowl or whatever. Uh, I'm wearing a, a powerlifting wrist wrap because they're the you know they're the wrist wraps that are closest uh, they approximate what we're trying to do. Um, you know I've had to make my own blades. I've had to you know make my own tacky all this sort of stuff. I've had to come up with this. You know it would be nice if there was a place when I'm getting geared up for a season that I could just put a package together and say this is what I need. Like I, you know I, and again again like I have to buy tape every three weeks because they come these tiny little rolls or whatever that you know I have to go to the sporting goods store order on Amazon every time. To do that, when I just need like a big roll of tape, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just need something that's going to last me more than one game. And, uh, so it occurred, like, I talked to Aaron more and more about that. And, it, you know, he was on board too. He wanted the idea of a one stop shop for supplies. And so instead of saying, like, hey, let's have one company that, you know, does everything, and, like, you know, sells like apparel to a broader market, but also sells to Highland Games, which would be a strange match and fit. We just said, like, what if we just had a company that wasn't so much concerned about fashion, it was concerned about supplies and gear. And that's kind of where that came from. That was the genesis of that is it was it's almost like it was done out of the same way that Highland that, you know, Hate Brain Goods started. It starts like anything else. It starts out of love and it starts out of a passion for what you're doing. And I just saw that there were so many athletes like me that wanted to just be able to, I just want to get my stuff and I want to go. I want to, you know, as the tagline of the site is, gear up, get throwing. That's it. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I don't want to spend time hunting around and thinking about, well, is this going to be the right blah, blah, blah for that. I'd like to know, like, just like any other sport, if I'm going to buy stuff that's gear and supplies for my sport, I want to know that somebody that plays this sport put that stuff up and has tried it and knows that this is going to work. This is the best tape. This is the best way to get your chalk. This is, you know, when you know when you create a wrist wrap. This is what it's. This is it's made for a thrower that's pushing a stone or a shot put. I, I want to know that somebody was thinking about that. And you know, the fact that Aaron and I are so active and have had some success in the Highland Games, I think, lends that credibility that we'll be able to put that stuff out for sure. And it's, yeah, and and again, it comes back to that community part, man. The thrower's thing is very much a celebration of the completely informal, somewhat ridiculous community that goes along with Highland Games. That's what, that's really all it is, man. I mean, I mean, the name of the company isn't a serious name by any stretch of the imagination, obviously. Yeah. It's got bros in it, for God's sake. And, uh, you know, that's, the, the genesis of that was even the, this wasn't even supposed to be like a company at first. This was supposed to be a blog and some YouTube videos about me and Aaron being rivals because we're best friends, but we also are competing against each other. And, that's kind of where the people that first started following Throw Bros, we weren't selling anything. We were just being jackasses on video and, you know, like trash talking each other. That's really what it came down to. And that's 99% of what this sport is. It's, I, I can't tell you after, like, how low the percentages of time when I'm on the field now 
that I actually talk about throwing. I don't talk about throwing when I'm with people that I know and I hang out with when we're on the field. Like, that's that's the last thing we talk about. It's usually, if we're going to talk about it, it's, you know, it's to talk trash about the last guy's throw or to congratulate a guy or if a guy needs help, maybe we'll help him. But most of it's just, it's just shooting the shit, yeah. man. And that's, so that's what the culture of Throw Bros is. And I, I think the idea of building supplies is just a way of making everything easier, man. I, I, I hate to say it's born out of laziness. Uh, you know, if, if I had to pick those three things, it's, you know, done out of love. It's out of passion for the sport. It's just out of laziness, man. I, I want everybody to feel like, let me just buy a pack of stuff and get ready for the season so I can get out there and throw with my buddies. That's it. And I, I wish there was a grander vision yeah. sometimes, but uh, I think that's I think that's what it needs to be. I would say be. sometimes it doesn't need to be this grandiose thing. It just needs to be what's practical and who can provide the best option for that practicality. So I think you're doing a great job with it. Like like I said, I I love the stuff you guys put out. <clears throat> My personal favorite is the steroids on the the, the label on the chalk. Like <laughs> I saw that. Like it it just has that like not even like clickbait, but like that shock value that you're like, what is that? Like I was on the website, <laughs> yes. or I saw at first I saw it on Instagram. Like they posted just the canister. It didn't say anything. It just said like with the label that says steroids, and it, like the caption read something to the effect of like you know you want some. And I'm like, I'm like, well, what the hell is it? So I went to the website, like looked it up and all that. Like it's the, it's that kind of like, like you're talking about, like the bro esque, like just you know shooting the shit kind of stuff. And but it made me go to the site, look at what it was, and then I got like looking through everything else that's on the website and all that. And I was just like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like I was laughing reading some of the descriptions, which I know you do the descriptions for hate as well. Um, yeah, I do. I I, I laugh. At like ninety percent of them, like there's they're they're pretty dang funny the ones that you put out and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Even the dad jokes, I was like, man, I was like, they stole my shtick. But you guys have dad hats. <laughs> I don't. All I have are your dad hats. So if I start posting pictures with the dad hats, it's gonna look like I stole your shtick. So and look, man, I'm an actual dad. I get oh exactly. Right? Like, yeah, you're you're, you're an actual dad. Like you win. <laughs> It was just, yeah, I mean, th- that, that whole thing, the Corny Joke Friday thing started just simply because when we would be traveling to meets, um, James Tatum and I, who's now, he's got two kids himself, um, and his wife was pregnant at the time, he had a book of just corny jokes, and him and I would take turns flipping through the book, looking for jokes to read to each other to try to make, like those those competitions that they do now on, on Facebook, where they, they have the two guys trying to get the other to laugh and you get a point. Like, James and I used to yeah. do that all the time travel traveling great. to weightlifting meets and I, the other day i was like man i was like i would kill at those co- if that was an actual competition because i have so- <laughs> i've been training for yeah, this oh man i'm like i have so many jokes in like my reserves that like i haven't even used yet that i know i'd get people to crack like on the first go but like you said you're an actual oh, you're, yeah. you're an actual dad so you take precedence on yeah that i do i get your priority man i'm sorry exactly it is you know look man the throw bro- the throw bros thing and you know the sense of humor and the stuff on the hate train good is that's born of just what we talked about earlier that the the genesis of that is all of us you know me matt aaron like everybody that's doing business at this level like we've seen how serious everybody can take yeah. themselves and we just ref- we just refuse to be it you know what my favorite thing about hate brand goods is that you can have you know matt can be extremely inspirational to the point like hard nose, like he can really you know, like get at you and make you motivated. He can motivate people in a way that you know through the internet, through social media, even in person that you you just don't see, and it's it's a real gift that he has. And but in the same breath, we can turn around and just have we can 
we can be irreverent. We have the ability to make fun of our sport, ourselves, our brand, everything like that. Because yeah. there's just there's just no point, man. If you're taking yourself seriously, you're doing it wrong. And that I mean that same thing carried itself over Throw Bros. I mean probably Throw Bros even more because we're not really. It's not a company that's constrained by needing to appear. Um, you know, like having to worry about how high end we look or anything like that. It's it it it's stuff that's going to get thrown and bagged and covered in glue. So you know, there's not like there's not a need for it to you know portray a certain image, and that's kind of and that's kind of nice. You know, but look at the end of the day, Throw Bros is it is for throwers. Um, it's a site that's for throwers. That's what it's made for. Throwers and you know, usually we all lift, so there's going to be some carry over there. Throwers and lifters, sure. um, and it doesn't. It, it's not a company that's made with any idea that it's going to take over the world. Yeah. I'm just going to say that right right now. It's not something that's going to take over the world. It's going to be something that serves that serves the core group and serves the throwers and lifters that live the lifestyle and have that personality yep. that it, this is going to appeal to, and that that's what it's for. Yeah. Plain and simple. Now, would you would you uh, would you classify Thrower Bros as a passion project or a little bit more than that? It's a they're all passion projects, man. There's no there's to me there's no other kind. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I have the ability because you know things are going very 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 well with Kate Brand Goods. Um, you know it, that creates a comfort level. My wife has a great job that makes a comfort level. So I feel like for me to do something that I'm not passionate about and doesn't create something that resonates with people, that's a slap in the face to all that hard work. Yeah. Um, I've said it to my wife forever because she's worked so hard to get where she is and, you know, help us build the kind of life that we have. If I just turn around with any of my entrepreneurial ventures now and I just said, well, it'll bring in a few bucks or whatever, that's a slap in the face because that's that's time that I take away from my personal life, my time away from my kids, away from her, away from, you know, hobbies, anything like that, you know, coaching baseball games with my son. Like that. If I take that time away, if I have to sacrifice that time, it better be about something that means something. And I'm sorry to make it sound all serious right there, but no. if you're gonna do if you're gonna do that, and you you know you got food on the table, and you know your needs are met, you got a roof over your head, and your needs are met, then if you're gonna be taking time away from spending time with your loved ones, then it better matter, man. You better do something that matters because you only get so many days, you know. To, For sure, your time is limited, and at the end of it. It's been said a million times better than you know by smarter people than me, but nobody's gonna ask about your bank account. When you're on nope. your deathbed, and you're not going to be thinking about it either. No, you're going to be thinking about how you spent the time that you had, and did you did you make an impact on anybody? And yep. with Hate Brain Goods and with Throw Bros, the idea is in different ways to make impacts on people's life that are in a positive way, and just to give. That's that's the only legacy there is in my mind, man. Mm -hmm. There's nothing happening for me after I'm gone. That's in terms of my work. That's the legacy. What kind of things do I leave for my kids? What do I leave behind for my wife? That's my legacy because. I'm gone, man. Yeah, exactly. Like no, in in a hundred years or ten years after I'm dead, somebody will say my name for the last time, and then that'll be it. Mm -hmm. But if if uh, you know, again, if I've made an impact, whether it's giving somebody a laugh, whether it's giving somebody helping somebody hit a PR on the field, whether it's giving them something to identify with or a philosophy that makes them motivated and makes them feel like, hey. I can be just like Matt. I can be just like Mike. I can do that sort of stuff. I can bring myself from, I don't have all the genetic gifts and all the crazy equipment and all the ability to access the best stuff and the best gyms, but I can still take something within me and turn it into something. Then that's legacy, man. Who cares if somebody knows what my name is? Absolutely. Like, I, got, I, I got somebody started.
And that's that's cool. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. That is that's. A, I mean, that's a great way to look at anything in particular, but especially for what you and Matt and Aaron and all you guys are doing. Um, so, in conclusion, on this part, if somebody who's listening to this or somebody comes up to you and asks, like, "Hey," Like, give me a couple pieces of advice, like learn from your mistakes type of deal. Like, what are those couple of pieces of advice, whether it's, you know, pertains to throw grows, hey, anything in general, like what couple of pieces of advice are you giving to somebody either starting out or trying to jumpstart an already existing uh, passion project that they have going on? Yeah, I, I'll sound like a broken record, man. Create something that you yourself would want and tell people the truth. Um, that's, that's. I go back to it again because that's square one yeah. that is in every way, whether it's your suppliers, whether it's your customers, whether it's employees, people, business partners, you tell people the truth and it's going to suck and it's going to hurt sometimes because it'd be, it's just be easier to omit things once For in a sure. while, but just get it out there, man. It's freeing. It's totally freeing. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I taught, if we're talking about missteps, we're talking about, um, you know, mistakes not to make, it's never assume that the first time you've done something, that's the finished product. Yeah. Um, no matter how proud you are of it, if you write a book, you write a training manual, or if you put a product out, you make a shirt or anything like that, you write a lecture series or something like that, you're going to be so passionate about it. You're going to put so much time into it and you're going to work on every little detail and you're going to think, this is it. I spent so much time. I nailed this. This is perfect. And I guarantee you it's not. Because once you let it out into the world, you free it to the world, you will see what's wrong. You'll see the things you can do better. You have to be open to process. You have to be open to improvement in all things. And the most important one I think people forget is your own personality, is your own way of presenting yourself to the world. You know, if you've been in a bubble and you've been in your group or, you know, you've had your group of athletes or your group of consumers, whatever it is, and they're all about it, they're, they love it, they're everything about it, it's all praise, that means nothing when you go wider with it. It means nothing. It's a good starting point for you, but you're going to have to edit. You're going to have to be able to like redo things on the fly. If you had a hit product come out, if you had a hit book and you want to do, you know, you want to do a sequel to it, or you have a you know a shirt, anything like that, and you wanted you want to like redo it, don't be afraid to change it to make it better. Don't Absolutely. just think we just did it great that time. Let's just do it again. It's it, it's wrong. And not only do you grow, does your skill level at creating yep. things that work in the growth, mar the market grows too. It's just more yeah. practice. Absolutely. 100%. And like, so three years ago, a shirt that sold through Hate Brand Goods might not sell at all now. No. So, and we've seen it change from season to season, man. We've seen, we've seen a combination of colors and designs on a hat. A general, generally speaking, that were just a killer and sold was one of the best selling items. And we tried to do it again and it just didn't work, man. Yeah. Like we just, we try, and what we did is we didn't try to do anything terribly new. We didn't repeat the same design, but we didn't try to like push and say like, Hey, what's going on right now? What do we think is cool right now? We just tried to recapture something that we'd already captured. And so that's a, if somebody's asking me like, you know, I, I, if they're working on something or they got a passion project like you're talking about, I would just tell them, don't think that you've got it ever. Don't think that you've got it locked down that you haven't figured out because you're going to have to, you'll put it out and you realize, oh shit, there's 10 things I didn't think of because now, because now you have other human beings looking at it. You have other people or you, you're now even more so you get to see it through the lens of, oh, there's people buying this mm -hmm. or there's people that were wanting this thing. 
Now it's different. It's not just my thing anymore. It's not on a computer screen. It's not in my hands. And it's not just mine. It's something that I have to think about how the world sees this thing and what they want from it. So that, that one's big, man. Be, be willing to edit. That's awesome. That, that's a great piece of advice. Now let's have a little bit of fun here. We're going to go ahead and go into our lightning round. Years ago, when I had first started the Strength Agenda as an online resource for strength athletes, a company called Blonix reached out to me asking if I would test their HMB plus creatine and write an honest review. I checked the ingredients to make sure they were USADA compliant and said yes, used it for a month as a test. I was blown away with the results. I had used creatine before in high school and college, but I had never used HMB, let alone in conjunction with creatine. The difference it made in my training was noticeable as I was less sore after each training session. This is an incredible feat for me considering I had nine heavy training sessions a week with MDUSA. Over the course of four years, as I've switched from high-level weightlifting to being a professional grid league player, trying Moss Wrestling, and now working towards a pro status in the Highland Games, Blonix has been the one consistent supplement I take. The difference is noticeable, and I bet you'll be blown away just like I was. Use Strength Agenda Radio at checkout and score 10% off your purchase. I suggest the HMB and creatine to start, but I also highly recommend the beta alanine. Blonix. That's B-L-O-N-Y-X dot com. First question up, you're a new addition to the crayon box. What color are you and why? Uh, flesh tone because you can just peel, or peach, you can peel off that wrapper and it looks totally naked. I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you could be any animal in the world, what would you be and why? Ooh, any animal in the world. Um... I'm going to have to go with dolphin. Um, not just because of the intelligence thing, it's because somehow we've created this environment in the world where tourists can go swim with dolphins and dolphins can just straight up rape people and it's cool. Like, <laughs> this, like hot girls like just jump in in their bikinis to swim with the dolphins and these dolphins just get to straight up copulate and everybody's like, oh, that's crazy how that happened. It's just, it's fine. Like, I, I just, I want to... I want to experiment with living in, in a, in a uh, aquatic, consequence-free environment like that. I don't think you that, can get away with that on land. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, I, I think I, that's I, yeah, yeah. It's like dolphin maritime law. I think they have like a maritime uh, dolphin copulating rape law out there. I, I just living in that world, I think, would just be mind blowing for a day. That's what I'm gonna go with. <laughs> oh man! Uh, if you could get rid of one state in the United States, what would it be, and why? tough one i won't feel I mean, bad i won't feel bad if you say illinois because that's been a popular response <laughs> now nah, illinois is maybe more pure america than anywhere else right now man that's, let's yeah. just be totally honest man that is a tough one i obviously i mean florida is an obvious choice yeah i mean if you saw off half of south florida if you saw florida like bunny bugs bunny south, i don't think a lot of people would complain um dc is an obvious choice but now let's let's get a little bit more creative um Huh, let's say, let's say Iowa, because I'd like to see uh, 
how how much impact there actually was on corn stock to get reliable. I got a feeling Iowa was leaning on the corn thing and they had been for a long time. Yeah, I, I don't think really they have much else to offer. I think lots of other places are making better and more corn. Yeah. Let's see what happens to corn without Iowa. Let's see if they can let's see if that brings them down if they're high horse. Well, I mean, they have no professional sports team, so it's like they're I mean, they might as well not be much of anything. Yeah, what I, what's the point of existing? They just have yeah. the Hawkeyes. That's it. Um, yeah, get off your high horse, Hawkeyes. Yeah. Um, who is your favorite Power Ranger? Oh, I never watched Power Rangers. What? Um, yeah, I know, right? I'm a little older, man. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm also, I don't know, I just wasn't a cool kid, I guess. Or I was too cool of a kid. I don't know which one yeah. uh, makes it works for Power Rangers. But um, I, I've watched them through the eyes of my kids a little bit. Um, yeah. I can't say White Power Ranger because that just sounds horrible to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, was that I? Did anybody have like? Did anybody raise a hand during production meeting when they decided to make the white Power Ranger? Did anyone yeah, anyone fa- raise a hand? Yeah, the fact that they had the white and the black Ranger at the same time that was kind of weird. I'm not, like, yeah, look, looking back at it now, like the 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 yellow uh, Power Ranger, she was Asian. Like I, the, you look and the, like the pink the pink Power Ranger was like a valley girl. Um, the blue Power Ranger was a nerd. Like, it was, yeah, you looked at some of the colors and, like, the personalities that, like, fit those colors, and I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. why didn't yeah. anybody think that some of these were a bad idea? Well, it's like, are the people are the people that made Power Rangers, are they high-key racist, or were they trying to do some, like, really slick social commentary that we just didn't pick up on? Yeah. Like, is it one or the other? Or <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, it's definitely, like, every once in a while, I will watch something from my childhood and I'll sit there and be like, how did this get on TV? Like, that is not okay. But Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a long, long tradition in cartoons and kids shows of being totally, totally inappropriate. Yeah. I mean, like, there's Nazi propaganda films about Japan from, like, the 1930s and 40s. Oh, not, not, uh, there's American propaganda films about imperialist Japan. Where it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's 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 who we were, man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, exactly. It's like it was totally cool to show kids, like, yeah, yeah, this is what Japanese Japanese people look like. Totally. Yeah. Um, what was the guy? Um, I'm trying to. I am trying to remember. Wasn't there like one? There were there were like sam. What the samurai? Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at one point. That like, might have yeah. been after I stopped paying attention. Yeah, I think that's one that I would watch with my kids. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that just because it's max Japan. There you go. <laughs> you maxed you go. out your Japan levels with the samurai, the samurai team. I'm gonna go with the whole team. There you go. The whole samurai Power Ranger team. Good yes. choice. Good choice. All right. Last question. All right. Who's winning in a fight, Spider Man or Batman? <sighs> um. Hmm. My heart says Spidey. Uh, mm-hmm. but he doesn't win in a straight-up combat, knock Batman out kind of way. You know, like, no. it's not like that. Like, I think Spidey's victory is, uh, you know, look, I'll go a little comic book nerd on you here. I don't know how deep into it you are. But uh, Spider-Man... Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a Mar- I'm a Marvel guy all the way. Yeah, I mean, so Spider-Man is has quite a... And plus, we're going Marvel DC here, so make mine Marvel. That's I'm always going that direction. Yeah. But, um... Spider-Man has a kind of a reputation in the later years, like after the Silver Age, of being a really, really good fighter. Like he's yeah. he's a kid, and his style is you know he's got he's joking and sarcastic, so it doesn't come across that way. But he's actually really, really good in combat. He kicked the shit out of um, Mr. Fantastic during the Civil War. Like, yeah. like you know that's that's no joke. That's an that's an old school superhero that he that he surprised with his fighting ability. So. Um, I gotta go with Spider-Man, but it's not gonna be like, he never just, you know, wins in dominant fashion. I think he no. would find a way to embarrass Batman. 
Because that man, uh, the, the, although he's super prepared combatant, you know, he's got obviously billionaire, obviously he's prepared for martial arts, all that. Martial arts, yeah, super strength. He uh, apparently, I don't know if you know this, he benched a thousand pounds raw in the comic book. Did you know that? That's, I don't believe that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe it either, but hey, look, man, it's, it's Bruce Wayne. Maybe, maybe he could afford like, um, the hydraulics. Like, yeah, or like the best slingshot known to man. Like maybe exactly. he and maybe he and Mark <laughs> had like yeah, a, they, they collaborated, <laughs> collaborated on, a on a on a titanium slingshot. But yeah. yeah, so you know Batman's legit. But I I don't think it would be you know him getting his ass kicked. But I think because he's so goal oriented, so focused, and so prepared for contingencies, I think Spider Man with his creative style would find a way to embarrass him. And I think gotcha. that would be that would be the defeat. That's how you defeat. Um, Batman, you know the, the the Dark Knight. That's how you you, you put a, a not so serious twist yeah. on it. So like I asked this question on a couple other episodes, and people have listened to it. We had a heated debate in the gym about Spider Man versus Batman, and one of my lifters came up with the best point, and I think it just ends the conversation. They said if Spider Man had the symbiote, wouldn't even be a question. No question. The, yeah. The, yeah, he would. The, the Spider Man with the symbiote would would embarrass and destroy Batman. So yeah, he said I, it, it, and this was this was a thirteen year old that said this, and I was like, you know what? Fair point. You win. Yeah, I, he's <laughs> get that get that kid a deal. Yeah, right. right? Like I, it, was, it was really funny because he hardly talks during conversations, and yeah, that was he goes. If we're talking uh, symbiote Spider Man, I don't understand why this is even a debate. And I was uh, like, you know what? You, yeah, absolutely. You're going, you're going places, young man. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. You know and another part of this, this is why I hate this kind of debate, because there's the Batman-Superman debate, right? And this oh, is God. sort of in the same realm, because... It is. Yo, Spider-Man can lift 10 tons, yo. Yeah. Like, I, it's, <laughs> like, at a certain point, like, we need to be okay with the fact that, yeah, Bruce is a dude, but, look, he's been written by the comics, I mean, he's taken down demigods and gods as a yeah. dude, so, you know... It's almost like this all is just kind of made up, man. It, it's like a, it's a chicken versus the egg kind of a deal. It really is. And I got to pick the egg in that situation, by the way. Right. Of course. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, wrapping this up, where can people uh, find you? Where Where's the best ways people reach out to you, follow your life journey, and all sorts of nonsense, especially as you're getting ready for lightweight nationals, right? You have that in a week or two? A couple yes. weeks? Yeah, a couple weeks, yeah. Uh, the best place to find me is to log on to the um, the camera in my baby's room and just watch me change diapers because I'm there most of the time. Uh, there you that, go. There, there you go. go. So I'll, I'll, I'll share a password to the uh, cool. to the, the cool. next camera. But no, uh, the best place to find me, look, man, um, if you want to see what I'm about, go to thehate.com, H-V-I-I-I.com. Uh, that is what I'm doing. That's what, you know, that's me. That's my work. Um, that's the passion right there. Um, you can check out Throwbros, throwbros.com. Uh, you can look at me on Instagram, and I do say look at me because that's really what it is. Uh, you can look at me yep. and see pictures of my kids and me shooting arrows and stuff, and once in a while, luscious locks. My luscious locks. I just put brushing back on my eyes when you said that. Uh, nice. It's getting out of control, man. It's rough. It's, it's super cur- oh, super curly never, mode now. Never. <laughs> I'm keeping it just for no. you, man. I know. I know it's a pattern. There you go. Uh, but there yeah, you go. can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter with uh, Beach with nine E's. It's Beach with nine E's because there are that many other people going by Beach out there. I guess. So. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it is pretty good. But yeah, that's that's long. And you know, you can find me on YouTube, man. Uh, Mike Beach, all one word. Uh, I haven't been published much lately, but more is coming. So that's awesome. Go. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you for being on. Um, I did. This was 
more than I could ever hope for. Um, I'm really excited to get part one of this done, talking about your experience in building your own brand. I think people are going to um, really get a lot of good stuff out of this to help them and uh, possibly get themselves motivated to start something of their own. So thank you again for being on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, thank you. And you know, For those out there that may not know, Tom is our first sponsored athlete from Hate Brain Goods. I am. He is because I beat Matt in the cave. <laughs> he knew it. He knew that he was bettered by a man, and he said, you know what, we have to get this guy on the team. Exactly. So, and no, thank you for pushing our stuff from day one, man. You've always been very, very loyal and definitely believed in the philosophy, and we really do appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, man, take care. See you. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.